Welcome to a new episode of our podcast. So welcome to the new episode of our podcast, uh, of the SADF podcast. This is our second season. And first of all, I will, I will introduce myself. I am Martin Polito. I am from the Students' Relations Department of the Institution. And I'm with Agustina Garcia. Agustina Garcia. I am from the MAC in department, and we're here with Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. How are you today? <laughs> Hello. It's good seeing you guys. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. I'm. I really. I heard a lot about uh, what you guys are doing with the SABF, and um, yeah, I'm. I'm really thrilled to be here with you guys. Okay. So first of all, we want to ask you like a like a icebreaker question just to to start the conversation. So how's your week? going is everything okay anything you want to tell us like randomly feel free <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean every day there's always a lot of stuff happening with me um because i i have a nine-month-old daughter and that that's you know that that always there's always a mix of uh healthy chaos in life so it's an everyday <laughs> adventure i think I yeah yeah everyday adventure um and yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I've just been doing a lot of different things uh, when it comes to work. I've, I've uh, not only have I been writing, I've also been uh, working on a course, actually. So uh, I've kind of been building a lot of that. Um, it's a course on storytelling. So it's, it's basically taking a lot of what I do with the blog and then kind of, uh, you know, un showing people how to take their ideas and convert them into stories. So that's been something that I've been kind of hammering it away away at for the last few weeks slash months um but other than that you know it's 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 weird to call what we're going through now normal but there is a, a little bit of normalcy in in this in this part of the world so that's what's been happening here yeah i completely agree i i think that due to the summer that you must be suffering <laughs> there in la it really gets hot but at least it comes the 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 covid a little bit so you can live a little a little more i mean we are in the other hemisphere so we're kind yeah. of like suffering more than we had it like a few months ago so yeah it's, mm. uh, it's literally waves like um so yeah but hopefully it will last mm. so yeah i mean maybe if someone is listening to us and doesn't necessarily know what you do if you want to like introduce your blog or maybe your course and everything, what do you, what do you study? Sure. So, all right. Um, it's, it, this is one of those questions where it's, it's like, I should know off the top of my head and I should have an elevator pitch for, but I still don't. So <laughs> like it changes anytime anyone asks me about it, but I guess the short version is I am the writer and illustrator of a blog called More to That. And mm -hmm. it, it basically touches on anything that I'm curious about, really. Just, uh, it just so happens that a lot of my curiosities lean towards philosophy and psychology. Um, and I think that those two areas of the human condition really apply to anything, right? It applies to economics, finance uh politics of course these these things funnel through everything so it just so happens that my my center of attention there is what makes humans <laughs> do the things that we do and what makes us 
think the way we think and how do we how do we actualize some of the things that we think into the world and um you know the thing with these kinds of topics is that they could be pretty heavy they could be kind of dense like uh, if you pick up the work of some renaissance era philosopher it, it's like a slog to get through it's it's not the most fun read and i don't recommend it too much but what the blog kind of does is that it takes a lot of these dense topics or just a lot of these things that i'm curious about and, and it kind of it makes it fun it, it simplifies it and then um it, it presents it in a way where you actually want to read ahead and you actually want to continue onwards so the way i do that is through illustrations and this is kind of just personal preference here is when i open up uh, an article and then I just kind of scroll a little bit and it's it's like 10,000 words of text. I'm kind of like, eh, no. <laughs> yeah, but if I scroll through like in 200 words later, there's like a drawing or there's like a chart or something. I'm like, oh, OK, let me let me keep reading this thing and see what 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 this chart is about as I get there. So it's kind of like I call them like fun magnets in a way. It, it keeps you engaged and interested. And the way I do that is through cartoons. I just draw a lot of characters. I, I kind of put these analogies mm -hmm. together and structure them in a way. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of color to what you're reading. Um, so, yeah, like basically it's just, and then also the other thing is I imbue it with a lot of personal experience. So kind of combining those tenets together really is what more of that is about. So um, that's on the blog end and then you know, I experiment with different formats. Like I, I record videos of just me talking about a particular topic, kind of like this, and it's just free form, publish that. And then, like I said earlier, I'm working on a course that I hope to launch in the next month or two uh, around storytelling, which is what the blog is all about. So I think that in a nutshell, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a really, really good summary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I look up your, I like search your blog and I started reading it. And in the beginning, it was kind of like, maybe, let me say weird, because it's like you see the title of a really like, um, let's say complicated, like difficult topic to talk about. And then you mm -hmm. see this kind of, of drawings that they have like a really, maybe like childish vibe. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah, so, so it's like you have different holes that they are merging together in like a uh, blog post. So, mm. so yeah, I, I think it's like really interesting. And, and yeah, and I really want to ask like, how did you, maybe it's something, this like storytelling skill that you have is something that you always had. It's something like, I don't know, maybe your parents told you or like, they, I don't know your background on how did you come up with this idea of telling like maybe difficult topics or like uh, these complicated ideas and bringing them down to, to earth to maybe people like, I don't know, around our age or maybe why not younger. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, where did this all come from? Mm. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a great question. I have to go through the timeline of my life real quick. I, you know, I think that really, I, I kind of have this tendency. Well, first of all, um, so I, I went to school for like economics, international economics. And I, I kind of went there because I didn't really know what else I necessarily wanted to do. And uh, when I was in school, I, 
I didn't really consider myself like a creative person per se. And uh, I think that there is like a stereotypical view of creativity, right? It's like people that wear funny hats and, and are able to like sit somewhere and paint all day and like the time just goes by. And I kind of, so with that in mind, I didn't really think of myself as embodying uh, creativity in a sense. But one thing that I did recognize from the beginning was I had this, this kind of innate desire to simplify things. So uh, to kind of compress whatever has went through my life. And if I want to tell it in the form of a story, if I just want to talk to somebody about it, like I knew to leave out all the parts that like don't really don't won't really keep someone engaged and then just kind of skip to all right this is mm -hmm. let's start the story here so i don't know if that's a knack for storytelling or if it's just something that it was is generally kind of embedded in in me but i de definitely there was this impulse to simplify whatever i i kind of knew and you know simplification doesn't just mean like you take certain body of knowledge and then condense it. Like it could even mean taking your life experience and then and then translating that into a different art form, right? So, for example, um, after I went, you know, after I graduated, I got a job in finance. I didn't really enjoy that. And what mm -hmm. I what was bubbling up was actually making music. So I started getting really into making beats specifically. So kind of sampling stuff, sampling soul, sampling funk, jazz, and then, you know, making beats out of them. And at first it was just like a hobby because I'm a huge hip hop enthusiast. I, I absolutely love hip hop. And uh, I was just like, oh, how do they make this stuff? And I found out, oh, they sampled stuff and then they, you know, put drums over it. I learned about all this stuff and then I got really intrigued. And I think part of that intrigue was like making music it felt like I was simplifying my emotions into this thing, right? This mm -hmm. kind of all this amorphous haze of things that I feel, I was able to funnel it into music. So that's why I, I think I started just having a knack for creating music. And that became, wow, I want to do this. This is something I really want to do. So I left finance and then went into music for a while. And uh, did that for a number of years. And, you know, that that could be a whole other topic in itself. But that was the first time where I thought to myself, hey, maybe I'm a I'm a creative guy, right? Like in the stereotypical sense, I'm, I'm a creative yeah. guy and I kind of view the world through this lens. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the thing about music, though, is what I found out is it's a, it's a great way of communicating your feelings and and the general things that you're experiencing on an emotional level. But it's really hard to communicate ideas through music, especially uh, especially instrumental music, which is what I was doing because I wasn't rapping. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just making the, the, the music and putting it out so they could listen to my beat and be like, oh, maybe he was feeling a little down when he made it or something like that. But they're not going to know like, oh, he feels like the meaning of life is X from listening to this, this beat. Right. So and the reality is I had a lot of thoughts around that kind of stuff. Just uh, how do you live a better life? Um, how do you how should I think about travel? How should I think about knowledge? Like these kinds of topics. And then I started experimenting with writing. I was just like, hey, I, I remember writing stories when I was a kid but they were all fictional tales. 
but like I do recall that I, I there was this tendency to write. So I just started writing and started publishing a little here and there and then kind of realized, that, hey, this is this is a great way for me to get my thoughts out into the world and express myself in a way where I could actually showcase my ideas and put them out there. So. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of took a turn over there. And then, like I described earlier, I started imbuing much more of the childlike elements. And it's funny, Martin, that you say there is a childlike quality to it, because a lot of the characters on that blog are like characters I drew when I was nine or 10 years old, like same characters. So like I kind of joke that if if my nine year old self saw what I'm creating now, he would have been like, Dang, did you just never evolved? You're like still <laughs> still using the same characters, dude. <laughs> so like there there is there is definitely a lot of that. I know it's like come on, man. Um, but you know what's funny is that uh, when I first started this out, it, it to me it, it was a no brainer to use those characters because I have this there is this belief, a strong belief of mine that within every human being. Uh, no matter what they look like or no matter how old they are, what culture they're from, is that there is this inner child in everybody. And there is something about seeing a cartoon or an illustration or something that just, it it obviously doesn't look like reality. There's a playfulness to it. It draws people in. It, 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 it speaks to somebody. It speaks to that kid within all of us that either may have been, you know, faded out over time or responsibilities may have taken hold. but those things are still there. And I think drawings and stuff like that really pull that out of people. So um, yes, there is a childlike quality to it. And it's something that uh, is definitely some, it's there for a reason. And uh, it says something deeper about humanity to, to use those things, in my opinion. Wow. So I think there's a lot to unpack what you say. But <laughs> one thing that really stood out for me was that concept of like simplifying things. Uh, mm-hmm. that, you, that you said and yet there's a way like I never thought about music that way in, in say like you have these emotions uh, like you say maybe you were feeling like like sad or maybe you were feeling like I don't know excited maybe I don't know but how you can simplify that into beats like it's like thinking about it in more like a like primitive way like it's just sounds so it, it's like Maybe it's like understood in any in any kind of way, any language, any everything. Um, so yeah, I think that I, I like that point really stood out for me. Um, that I really like what you said there. And then like moving to like writing and everything. Um, yeah, like maybe like seeing that story from like now with like we in Spanish we have a saying that is like with Monday's newspaper, like knowing how, what uh, ended up happening. Um, so yeah, maybe like you went into college, you said you studied economics, like international economics. Um, so yeah, maybe like in the beginning, studying such like um, structured career, like a career that you have to study a lot and there's no much emotion in there, let's say, or like feelings. To, to unpack or to simplify, like, it, it's, it's weird how it turned out this way. Uh, weird in a good way, man. don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's really, really good what you said. 
So it's really so so I'd like to just kind of add on to what you were saying is that I think I think simplification is inherent in everything that we do, whether we realize it or not. So just for example, the, the let's say language, me speaking to you right now and communicating my thoughts and you sharing your thoughts with me, like the fact that we have to organize our experience into words, that is already a form of simplification, <laughs> right? Like because there's there's no way that I can. I can have you feel exactly what I'm feeling right now. Or, or let's say I even just, I just go and walk down to my car and go to the market or something like that. And the nuances of everything that's happening in my body, everything that's happening in my mind, everything that's going on in those moments, there's no way for me to convey that to you in a way where you feel 100% of it, right? So all I could do is say, hey, Martin, uh, I went, I, uh, you know, I went into the car, I, I drove to the market. And then when I was in the market, this happened. Like, I, I have to pick and choose mm. everything that I'm doing, right? If you think about it. And language is also just, there's, there's very specific words you can use. Like we have this toolkit of words. We think it's really, really expensive, but in reality, it is limiting by design. Uh, we, mm. there, we, have to, we have to fit our experience into these words. So even talking to one another, that's simplification. And then um, like, you know, music, obviously that's a, that's a taking certain things and then embedding it in. And then, you know, you, by design, you have to lose some of the nuance. You, that, that's just how communication works. You, you sacrifice nuance for transmissibility that that's essentially what it is. And, you know, writing is really similar to that. Uh, you can't, you can't just write everything that you feel or it's just stream of consciousness. And, and, you know, while that might feel good for like a journal, that's probably not too good to to send to someone you don't know and say, "Hey, read this." Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it may, simplification is not uh, when I the more I think about it, it's not necessarily like a it's not necessarily talent because I think everyone it's just inherent in humanity, but it can be a skill set that you refine. It can be something that you get better at. It could be something where you could tune your intuition so that when you're telling a story, you can pick and choose better things to highlight. You can, you can create an arc within those things you want to highlight and have it make sense, but also have it resonate. And I think those, that part, that portion of it being a skill is something that I think is super underrated. Um, but one thing that we're going we're gonna to continue to find um, is that the internet rewards good storytelling. And that is that's one thing that I'm hoping to convey with uh, with my course as well. But just with these with with what I do for my posts, it's uh, if it's you, you, you simplify, but then you also have to make sure that you spend a ton of time getting it right. So the combination of those two things is what I try to do with the blog. So, yeah, one question I was going to ask you is regarding of like how you see yourself standing like standing out uh like in the, in the internet there's like million things you can see read watch listen like content it's that there's no lack of content <laughs> so yeah. you have to stand out in a way so with this thing that you say that in internet in internet uh, storytelling is really important so yeah i mean like this is kind of like selling your content like it's a real skill a really important skill to have uh in order like to sell or to stand out 
So, so yeah, I think that it's really, really interesting, really valuable. That yeah, use this approach. You have to to storytelling. That I think it's great that you want to to like yeah, give it to others, teach teach it, mm-hmm. or maybe also use storytelling to teach storytelling. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, then Agustina, I don't if you want to go to the question. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Uh, we talked about the fact that simplification is something that we inherently do because we cannot express everything we feel, we think, we are living, we are sensing because it's overwhelming and it's impossible for words to convey the meaning of everything we are experiencing, right? But I think there's something really interesting about drawing because you highlight something that's important for you from your point of view or from your perspective or whatever. And when somebody sees a drawing and interprets, interprets it, they're going to put some part of themselves. So in some way, you mm. are putting a part of you into the drawing and you're selecting what you want to portray. But at the same time, the person that's reading this or seeing this uh, drawing or whatever is also being in some way uh, part of the story you're, you're talking about. So it's not a story that's not me or not you, but it's something that connects us in some way. And I think that's that 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 is something that goes beyond our words and our meaning and I think that's really interesting to talk about because in some way you are connecting with someone that maybe doesn't even speak English or he doesn't even know uh, where USA is or whatever, but you can mm-hmm. still um, get to them and reach them. And I think that's very valuable, something that maybe words limit us in a way. Yeah, no, that's, that? a, that's a great observation. And I, I think you point to something really important there is that when you use when you use different mediums, you're you're putting yeah, you're putting people at the center of the story. Right. And um, like, so, for example, what I do with the blog is that I have a specific character I use when I mention you in the story. So I have a post called Travel is No Cure for the Mind. And the post is essentially about, hey, we think that travel is the key to happiness. We all want to travel. We think that it's going to give us, you know, beautiful feelings and that this is going to be awesome. But the reality is that travel is actually not the answer. It's not the answer that we're looking for. Um, and the, the reality is what you what is in front of us now is what we have to appreciate. And, you know, it's a very that's a very simple thing to kind of communicate. Right. It's a very uh, it's like here's a problem. Here's the takeaway. That's it. But what I think made that post so popular is that it actually takes the reader on an entire story like i put the reader at the center of the story i say hey you are here let's say for example you're you in your cubicle or you going to the same restaurant every single day and then you know you want to break out of this so as a result you you know you dream of going to this new nation you dream of going to the city you dream of going to paris so i actually say you the whole time And then I use this little character. He's kind of like the mascot. He's like a bunny head with a triangle, uh, triangle head with bunny ears. And I use that as the centerpiece because I think when I do that, the reader could find themselves in that character. And and there's a reason why I kind of use that character, too, because, you know, there is no age, there is no gender, uh, there's no race that is inherent in that character. So anybody could find themselves in that. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't think that any of this was necessarily done by design or by intention. It just felt like intuitively it was 
it was the right thing to do. I mean, this was my very first post. So, so that kind of points back to just, hey, maybe there is a little knack for simplification and storytelling and understanding this. And only later can I realize that, oh, okay, yeah, that makes intuitive sense to do something like that. Um, but yeah, going back to your initial point, there's definitely something about, there's something about the, the visual medium that allows people to place themselves into that context, right? Like, it's funny because let's say you look at a beautiful, let's say you're, you go camping, you know, uh, Martin and Augustine, you go camping and then you sit in front of a lake and then a sunset befalls you, right? <clears throat> if it's beautiful enough, one of, the, one of the things you'll say is like, damn, that looks like a painting, right? But in reality, the painting looks like that. Like the painting looks like that. And it's actually reversed. But we see ourselves, like when you observe a painting, we see ourselves in that situation. So anything that resembles that kind of beauty, we say that it looks like this illustration. Like we view things through that lens. And by using that medium for a reader, it allows them to put themselves in there and kind of, and kind of put themselves, inject themselves into the story the whole time too. Okay, great. And I think it's, yeah, it's really good this observation, like taking the character as the, the, the main, like the reader, like taking the reader into the, the story. I think it's, I mean, probably it's part of, part of the storytelling, like, um, I mean, after all, it's transferring like the story to to the reader. So I think it's it's a really good technique per se uh, that we may not see too often. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's it's kind of like a unique part of yours um, in this whole thing of like yeah, standing out in in how to make it like creative or or anything. So yeah, moving on with the creative part, creative part, like um, how do you, how's your creative process? Like, um, I mean, you have an idea, for example, how do you turn it on, turn it into like a blog post maybe, or the course, for example, now how this is, how maybe like uh, the flow, like you have an idea, then you you turn it into a, like a draft, maybe, or a rough idea, etc. How does this, this process is like? Mm. So it's so everything. So I'm going to start with theory first, right? And then kind of turn it into the practical framework. So every idea you have, there's a story in that idea. Now, let me let me um, now let me expand upon that, right? Let's say that you highlight a quote. Right, you're reading a book and you highlight a quote. Let's just say that, um, where's that? What's that's a famous Socrates quote? He's like, I know that I know nothing. Right, there's that famous Socrates quote. Now, why the hell is that quote so famous? Or why are why do we why do we like these quotes? Um, and if you think about it, so let's use that Socrates quote as an example. Within that quote is a story, and a story really consists of two main components, right? The first is there's a problem that the and it addresses, and then there's like a final takeaway, right? So the Socrates quote is like, what's the problem he's addressing? The problem is that like, I don't know how to, how do I become a wiser person, right? That's, that's the question he's trying to solve. And then the answer, the takeaway he gives is, well, you become wiser by embracing uncertainty, 
right? So now you actually kind of have everything you need to start a story, right? So let's say the problem is how do I become wiser? And now I could already think of like, oh, I could put together a story of like this character who, you know, like he's living it, he's living his life, but then he, he just feels like, ah, I'm, I'm reading all this stuff. I'm, I'm accumulating all this knowledge, but it's not translating into wisdom. It's not, I don't feel like I'm a wiser individual, right? And you could already construct the whole thing with that problem. And then that takeaway of like, you have to embrace uncertainty. You could carry that character through an arc of like, he's reading all this stuff, but understands that like, it's his addiction to accumulation that is actually his problem. What he really needs to do is say, hey man, all this stuff that I'm reading, it's, it's actually about what I don't know. And, and really going into what I'm curious, like how, how does my curiosity take me to a realm that I don't know anything about? Like that is the answer. So like even just right there, I just kind of went off the top of my head with that. There is a story in any little thing. So anything you come across, there is a problem that it addresses and there's a takeaway that it's saying, right? So the big thing is to find that story, to, to pinpoint the story there. And then when it comes to the actual like writing process and all that, like a lot of the time, the outline for me is sometimes it's really well articulated. Other times it's just like, oh, I'll just draw, um, I'll just like visualize this problem into existence, right? Whether it's like I draw a graph or I draw a little spectrum, like there's a spectrum of certainty and uncertainty. And then there's a character who tries to find himself at any moment on that spectrum, like keeping it very simple like that. And then and then I kind of fill in the holes there, like, okay, what is a, what is a narrative that I can pull that allows the character to feel like they are walking along this path of wisdom? And, and some of the ideas that come from personal experience, just things that I've observed myself. Other things are you just, you just pick up through things that you read, and then I'm trying to condense it. I'm trying to compress it into something that is easily understandable. So... The process really changes at, you know, given what I'm, what I want to write about. And some of my posts are like 7,000 words long, right? Others are a thousand words long and those two will have different processes. And another thing that's really important is that I don't think that creativity can necessarily be scheduled. You can't tell yourself that, okay, every day at 10 AM, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to create like a lot of times it doesn't work like that. You have to. You have to live your life in a certain way. You have to, you have to continue to, um, whether it's to read things or to consume things, to digest things and sit down with them, process it. You have to do all these things in order for your curiosity to work and then digest it. And then your creativity comes in and transforms it to something that is uniquely you, is authentic. So that process right there, like I try to tell people, it cannot necessarily be scheduled, but you can take like a disciplined approach saying, okay, an hour to each day, I will sit down and really try to process whatever I picked up over the last week, or try to reframe something that I've read in my own way that displays my authenticity. So I kind of take an approach to that. Like I, I allow serendipity to do its magic, but at the same time, I understand the value of discipline and having to keep some sort of structure so that you're not left in like wandering territory for an entire month of not getting anything done. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see this related to one of the 
videos you, you upload like recently uh, regarding like uh, burnout. So it's, I, I think it can be really related with this because um, maybe like in the beginning, uh, I don't know, how long have you been doing this, uh, like writing uh, to your blog post? Like how long? So more to that is a little over three years old. Okay, so it's quite a, quite a, quite like a lifetime per se. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe if you, in the beginning you have this approach of maybe giving it your best and everything, you could have approach to a burnout. I don't know if you did or you always have this, this approach. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a really, really good process that you have like, Maybe you didn't come up with this. It was naturally yours, but but yeah, I think it's really good uh, with that. Like you, it's completely yours, completely unique. Um, you have this like combining discipline in order to to keep it like uh, active and don't like slip on it. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, it's really good what you told. So. Um, with the last question, we have, because we have to round up, we could be mm. talking for hours. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> so yeah, how did it? I mean, you told that you have a um, job with uh, regarding what you study, um, but then you were like slowly, um, like taking this more seriously, like the storytelling and everything. So nowadays, you are like, completely doing that. So storytelling is like your number, number one thing. So how did you get to here? Like um, going from the job to this other job, but it's like not as stable or maybe it takes a lot of time to get here. So how was this journey so far? Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the question. This is the number one question for anyone that wants to get into a, like a, I hesitate to use the word creative field, but you know what I'm talking about when I say that it's, it's anything where you feel like you have to, <laughs> you know, there's so many buzzwords now like passion or, uh, you know, like do, do what, do what makes you feel fulfilled. You know, the, the interesting thing is that the way I, the way I went about it was, um, I would front load what I do in my career, for example, to optimize for wealth generation, right? So like I said, I was, I was working in finance for a while. And, um, and I actually, I worked in finance, left to do music, and then I actually went back to finance. Um, and, then, and then I left that. Now I'm doing more, I'm doing more to that full time. So it's not like, I was just like, ah, screw it. And then I'm, I'm going to go follow my dreams. Yeah. And, and just like, let that go, you know, like, like freaking Mario hitting that gold star and then you're just off running and you're, you're invincible. Like that's, that's not necessarily how it works. You, we would dream for that to happen. But the thing with the thing with these creative fields and whether it's writing or music is that it, it not only takes time, but you have to also have the patience. Um, you have to have the patience to allow that time to compound, right? So similar to any investment returns, it's like the gains all happen in the last, what, you know, 10 years or something like that. And that similar kind of framework happens with working in a creative field. So 
you know, like I mentioned, I've been doing this for three years and kind of in, in your, I saw in your eyes, you're like, wow, that's been a while, but three years is nothing. Three years is absolutely nothing, especially when it comes to this. Now that see, that's a, that's a framing issue is that three years is a lot of time in like a corporate gig. By that time, you should have had a promotion. You should have, you went to whatever the next position, but in, you know, as a writer or as a musician, a painter, whatever, like three years, you're just, you're still a baby. You're, you're still like learning how to crawl. You're still trying to find out your style. You're still trying to find out your voice. You're trying to find out where your people are now. But that last part of finding where your people are, that's where you have the, 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 the gratefulness of the 21st, of 21st century technology. And the fact that whatever you produce can scale to anybody in the world, right? Like the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you guys and I'm over here in LA and I'm right now I'm talking to you through a 2011 MacBook Air. This thing, I, my computer's 10 years old <laughs> and, and still this is all I need. This is all I need to be able to do what I want. So that's the beauty of it is that the costs are very low and um, I would actually recommend any of your listeners in regards to the topic of money to, I have a post called money is the megaphone of identity. And one of the things that it talks about is when you're doing something that's inherently fulfilling, um, the, the threshold of money that you need to earn gets a lot lower. And that's especially true if you're, if you don't have a family, if you're independent. Um, so, but then the thing is like, if you're working at a corporate gig or, and not to say that like corporate gigs are bad or anything. Some people may really enjoy them. But if you don't enjoy that, then your, your threshold is super high. Your salary has to be high in order for you to stay there because you need to be compensated for your misery. <laughs> so the thing, though, with uh, these kind of fulfilling careers is that you can keep it super low. You can keep it super low. And anything you happen to make above that is what I call the fulfillment surplus. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to have. Now, the question is, how do I even get to that threshold in the first place? That's the number one thing. And you know that if you have the benefit of, let's say, having a degree in, in some field that may have nothing to do with what you want to do, right? Like you can, you can get a job. You can do that. You can do that at the same time. When I was starting more of that, I had, my, I had my finance gig. I was doing that, but then I spent a lot of time on the side building this up. And when you see... And that's the thing, too, is that a lot of these tools you use, they give you like metrics and stuff like that. And I think metrics, by the way, are a very crude way of organizing this stuff. But it gives you a very high level, surface level idea of your momentum. Um, and then part of it is just using your intuition. It's like, you know, you, you, we talked about burnout earlier. Burnout, I don't think, is necessarily the result of someone external telling you you need to do that and you're not getting it done. So you burn out. Burnout is all about your inner, your inner critic, your inner critic telling you that you're not doing enough. And that's why burnout is especially high for creators, because especially for creators that are doing their own thing, they don't have a boss. They don't have anyone telling them they need to do this. So who, who is louder than that potential boss is yourself, right? And that is what burns you out because that inner critic is so loud, is so mean that anytime you listen to it, you're like, holy crap, I'm not doing enough. So these are the things that you have to manage. You know, in the beginning, you think that it's all about money. And yeah, money is a big part to do with it because that is, that is the resource sustaining engine. But a lot of it is managing that inner critic. And, and the inner critic will only be louder if you have fiscal pressure. But 
it comes down to really anything. So what I would suggest is for people that are embarking this path or, or really want to make something their career uh, for this creative field is first learning how to manage your inner critic, right? So when you have stability on your side, let's say you happen to have a job or something like that, use that, use that as a way to say, okay, I can nullify my money worries right now. But what I could amplify are the worries about how I talk to myself while I do this, right? That's what you want to train. So work, you know, work on what you want to do. Go day in and day out, even an hour a day. Do that, right? If you work on something for one hour a day, you're ahead of most people. That's the reality. Most people just consume. So if you do that, if you could start there and then get a sense of your progress and then listen to how you talk to yourself as you're working on it, right? If you're working on it, do you keep telling yourself, you're not good enough, dude? You're not good enough. If you keep telling yourself that, what do you do? Do you just, do you just crumple and fall? Or can you internalize that? Be like, okay, this is just my way of telling myself to get better. And then use it as fuel. If you have that, then you got this. Then you could do, then this is some, this is a viable path for you. So that's how I would frame this whole thing. Damn, I'm speechless. That was really good and really interesting. I guess that most of the time we don't know where to start or how to start. And I guess that was a really good way to maybe clarify if we have some doubts about this. And maybe it's really common to like, we are the, we are the best and the worst critiques of what we do. And it's really important to be, uh, con I mean, to know what you do to yourself and how you speak to yourself because you're going to act upon that. So I guess that was really important for everybody to listen and maybe also to myself. I guess we are all trying to be better at that. And that's really good. Thank you. Thank you for all the insight you, you gave us and you gave the people who might uh, be listening right now. So, yeah, I mean, I have nothing more to say. I mean, yeah, we have tons to talk. We're going to be talking here till tomorrow. But, yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, for everything. Um, so, yeah, if you want to close this up, Agustina. Yeah, it was really nice. And I guess I would have loved to speak maybe for three hours because there's a lot of things to talk about and investigate. But I think that was really, really interesting. And if someone wants to learn a little bit more, they can look up your site and read what you, what you, what you talk about. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, hey, thank you guys for your time, too. It, this is really awesome and enjoyable. So this will be the end of this episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch, uh, we'll listen to you, we'll listen to us in the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to join us on our next episode. 